Everybody, this is Sharon, and tell the truth with true life music. Hey, thanks for listening today. Last time I was telling you about the wonders of our great state, which was, I have to repeat, the Sunshine State. Yes, that motto was on our state flag as long as I could remember until we gave it up for the Rushmore State. Now, A huge benefit of having so much sunshine is that it brings our little state flowers out of the ground before anything else in the springtime. These flowers need a lot of sun to bring them back to life after sleeping all winter. Do you know what they're called? Technically, their name is a French word, pasque, which I guess refers to the springtime. So we call them Pasque flowers, or if you don't speak French, they are Mayflowers. The Mayflowers usually come up sometime in the spring, in May, or even earlier if there's lots of sunshine. If you grew up here, you might have gotten into the ritual of looking for Mayflowers at just the right time. They usually grow out in a field or ditches that haven't been dug up yet, like pasture land. And since these wildflowers are not very big, you really have to be on a mission if you're going to find them. When they open up, they're very pale lavender and light green fuzzy-looking leaves. When you do find them, you know that spring has arrived. If it's a dark, cloudy day, they won't open up at all, and that makes them really hard to find. The sunshine makes them happy, so then they open up and smile at you. This is a great thing to do if you want to go on a nature hike or something. And try really hard not to pick so many because the only way they'll come up next year is by the seeds that fall to the ground. It's great to take pictures of them and send them to friends who wonder if spring is ever coming to South Dakota. Yes, it's the first sign of spring. Spring is on the way, and that means that summer will soon be here. And just what do you do all day long when you're not in school? One of my favorite things was to find a big tree with strong branches and climb up as far as I could with two or three big books under my arm and find a nice, comfortable perch where no one else would see me and read my books. It was a great way to spend an afternoon, and I could look down and watch the whole world go by and wonder if anybody missed me. Big cottonwoods or box elder trees make really good babysitters and daycare providers. I was on top of the world, and all my kingdom was underneath me going by. Nowhere in my wildest imaginations would I ever have thought of becoming a real queen. But when I read in the Book of Truth how some very young kids became kings or queens, I really have to wonder who was actually taking care of them. As far as I can tell, the youngest boy to ever be made king was only seven years old. Seven! His name was Joash. The Book of Truth says that the priest who was in charge of the house of worship taught Joash and instructed him in all that he should do. Yikes! Seven years old! 
As he grew up, one of his main jobs was to make sure all the people helped to do what they could to repair the temple and keep it looking nice. The problem was, lots of people were worshiping all kinds of other things and not God. That was the first rule. Remember? They had gotten hugely misled and started believing all sorts of lies, and they were worshiping anything but God. Joash had his work cut out for him to try to get the people back on track, not be so selfish and get things done right. You can read about King Joash in the second book of Kings, chapter 11 and 12. There were so many kings back then because someone was always trying to pick a fight with somebody else. Some kings were bad, and they didn't care what the people worshipped or what they did. Some kings were extremely jealous and thought they needed to be in power no matter what. So battles raged between kings and kingdoms, and some kings didn't live very long because some jealous group would go to battle and the king would be killed. That is how it happened that another boy became king when he was eight years old, the ripe old age of eight. His name was Josiah. His father was an evil man who did not listen to God's instructions, and he ended up getting killed. So that's when Josiah became king of Judah. When you think about it, if your eight-year-old son became king You really wouldn't have to worry about where he was or what he was doing. He's just roaming around the palace, learning all the cool hiding places and all the important people are taking care of him. He has all the best food, an amazing wardrobe full of the coolest clothes. He would have his own special private school, only the very best teachers. What an awesome place to be homeschooled right in the palace. And he probably never had any chores to do. Sounds like a great daycare to me, 24-7. But how in the world does an eight-year-old know how to be a king? Am I ever glad I live in America, where we have the honor and the privilege to vote for who we want to run our country? Quite unlikely that I would ever vote for a seven- or eight-year-old. In our Pledge of Allegiance to the flag, we say, And to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God. That means that we have the choice to vote for who we want. The people we elect are the ones in charge of the country. Otherwise, we might be under a monarch, which would be a king or a queen, Or we might be ruled by a dictator or somebody who just want to control everything and everybody, and the people would have no say in anything and no choice at all. That's why many people keep coming to America and to South Dakota, because we are free to vote and elect a president. If you lived in a country where you were not free to vote, you would just have to put up with whoever was in charge. In the days of Joash and Josiah, so many kings were evil, and the people just went along with whatever the king wanted. Young Josiah knew how important it was to follow all God's laws, 
and he wanted the best for the people in his kingdom. As he grew up, he realized that for the most part, the people were busy worshiping all sorts of idols and other gods instead of the one true God. Remember the first rule, don't put anyone or anything before God our Creator. In fact, as time went on, Josiah began to realize how evil the people had become because the king before him was evil. It was a dreadful situation. It sounds like things were in chaos. During his homeschooling days, Josiah learned about King David, who lived way before that, and he knew that King David had a heart towards God, and he wanted to honor God with his life, so King David was his hero, and he wanted to honor God too. So when he saw everyone worshiping things other than God, he went into action. He gathered all the people together, and they listened as he read all the instructions and God's laws. Then they had no excuse to worship anything else because the king himself read the directions to them. It's always important to read the directions. Things go wrong when you don't follow the directions. So then he told all his guards and helpers to collect up every single thing from the people used in idol worship, pile it all up into a huge heap, set it on fire, and burn it all. He didn't want any trace of that evil stuff anywhere. Anything the people were worshiping instead of God, he got rid of it all. The Book of Truth says that he burned everything, and then, get this, he ground up the ashes and threw the dust into the river. People had made things to worship the sun and moon and stars and animals. Every detestable and despicable thing was burned. Every item that represents a power opposed to God has to go. But sometimes people get so deceived and people get tricked into thinking something's harmless or maybe it's only a game, or it's just a toy, or it seems so much fun at the time, and I'll just try it just this once. It won't hurt. Satan has very tricky ways to get us to go along with his evil schemes. We can become completely unaware that we're being sucked into something totally against God, and that only leads to death and destruction in the end. So why would you want to honor something that only leads to destruction? I love the Book of Truth. It has a remedy for all our waywardness. The Book of Psalms is full of wonderful promises straight from God himself. It has the remedy for all our hopelessness. God promises that when we honor him, in Him only, we receive benefits beyond our comprehension. Let me read you some of the great things in store for those who follow God. Now, this is from the book of Psalms, and it's chapter 112, and this is in the Living Bible Version. First of all, it says, 
Praise the Lord for all who fear God and trust in him are blessed beyond expression. Yes, happy is the one who delights in doing his commands. His children will be honored everywhere for good men's sons have a special heritage and his good deeds will never be forgotten. In other words, they'll go down in history. When darkness overtakes him, light will come bursting in. He's kind and merciful, and all goes well for the generous man who conducts his business fairly. Such a man will not be overthrown by evil circumstances. God's constant care of him will make a deep impression on all who see it. He does not fear bad news or live in dread of what may happen, for he is settled in his mind that the Lord God Jehovah will take care of him. That's why he's not afraid, but can calmly face his foes. He gives generously to those in need, and his deeds will never be forgotten. He will have influence and honor. In other words, his deeds will last forever and ever. And all of that, if, like it says, if you delight in doing the commands of God. So why wouldn't you want to delight in doing the commands of God? You'd be crazy not to. Oh, my goodness. Especially if you consider the alternative. When we think about how we spend our time and what we spend our money on, maybe we need to rethink our choices. Maybe we need to get rid of some things. Everywhere we go, everything we say and do should bring honor to our Creator. This is a song from Colossians 3.17, and it's called Everywhere We Go. Every 
and one more thing I should mention. If you're reading along in the second book of Kings and you come across some strange names, it's because they had strange names. And sometimes people couldn't come up with a new name for their child, so they used the old names over and over. As far as I can tell, there were five or six guys named Joash recorded in the Bible. And it's just like today, there are lots of Johns and Pauls and Marys and Sarahs and so on. The story of Josiah starts in the second book of Kings, chapter 22. This eight-year-old kid turned into the greatest king of the country. In fact, chapter 23, verse 25 says that there was no king before or after who did such amazing things for his country and for God, all because he got rid of the evil stuff. And it says, with all his heart and soul and might, he turned to the Lord. So what do you do to celebrate this glorious event? They had a huge party, of course. I wish I would have been there. They celebrated like never before, and Josiah goes down in history for all of us to read about. He set an example for everyone to follow. He demonstrated in a very real way, so everyone could see that he meant business and how important it is to follow God's rules. In fact, it's the very most important thing you could ever do. And don't put it off, but... Do it today and get on the right road. And just do it today. This is Paul's song called Today.
I'm so glad that King Josiah followed the truth and he set an example for all of us. All the rest of us to follow forever. It's all in the book of truth. Read all about it. And remember, always tell the truth. Thank you for listening to Tell the Truth Podcast with Sharon and True Life Music. Recorded in the Y Milbank Podcast Studio in Milbank, South Dakota. You can contact us at SharonTrueLife at gmail.com or online at ymilbank.com slash tell the truth. Thank you.